0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guess what happened? Microphone issues, just record an entire podcast and saw it go away. One of these days, I'm just going to upload one of them and you can see how terrible the quality is and then I'll never do it again, I promise. But let's get into it. So. On the show today, well, we're going to look back at the Bats deal because we had such a fun uh, last broadcast where that broke mid-deal. Um, maybe talk about some of the fun uh, correlations between those two. We're going to look at the rumored Indian signing. We're going to look at the source of that. We're going to talk about that player, how he fits in the team, and how the Indians lineup might look after this uh, rumored signing. But let's get in the deal. I, I feel a little bit vindicated. I won't lie uh, Ever because everyone's complaining. Like, that's all the Bats but- but got? And it's like, yeah, well, taking on David Price's bloated contract is a trade asset. Though it was um, mildly annoying to hear Dodgers fans be like, okay, so we can still get Lindor. And we're going to, you know, this shows that it doesn't cost much to get him. You know, it just costs like uh, a starter who couldn't crack a rotation and like a good outfielder. it's like, well, okay, Lindor right now has more trade value than Betts. And it costs more than that because you took on a huge asset in terms of monetary value um i would argue at this point in time the dodgers actually do not have the pieces to acquire francisco lindor uh, unless they're willing to move gavin lux now i'm um, talking to dodgers fans i was told no lux uh no way and they shouldn't have to pay that anyways and yeah there is dustin uh may still and keeper ruiz but uh with the indians and in their depth of catcher it'd have to be like a three-teamer with ruiz i feel like um and with may i just i don't think the indians want a pitcher as the centerpiece of a deal i just i don't see a deal that makes sense there of course the dodgers fans fired back well obviously boston can't trade for him now uh who else would even consider him and i'm like outside of the yankees i'm like well you know the blue jays uh just spent a lot this offseason they could do it the rays have the pieces in place to offer a better deal uh the angels have the pieces the athletics the astros the Braves, uh, the Nationals and the Phillies and not the Nationals, the Mets and the Phillies, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, the Padres. Yeah. All those teams and all those teams made some move to, uh, try and contend for this year. So yeah, there's still a lot of places Lindor could go. Uh, kind of reminded me of when I lived in New York city. I lived there for six years and the Yankees fans just acted like the Indians were a farm system that they were entitled to. It's like this whole idea of, well, he's going to come here anyways. Like we're going to sign him no matter what in two years. So, uh, you should just like give him to us now. Like he's going to be gone. So just give it to us now. Uh, cause we'll be here anyways. So we shouldn't have to pay much cause we're just going to be able to sign him. Like, why do you care? So take like, you know, uh, this fourth outfielder and our 11th best prospect. And that's fair. Uh, so, you know, that, that was my, um, Yankees slash, um, Dodgers fan take, uh, they're great fans in both cases, but I get a lot of that. And I've always experienced a lot of that. Uh, that is also occasional Red Sox fan though. Often, um, the Red Sox fan would have the names wrong. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that's a fan. The big markets with the most people in it. Cause who wants listeners? Um, apparently not this guy, um, i'll keep it what the heck um you can also see why i'm no comedian and don't do voices so that's kind of the whole situation with bats it doesn't change anything for lindor i think in some respects it still helps the trade value um because i do think that price piece we still are waiting to see what he nets but uh that uh you know he it was a pretty high return in some regards but i I think part of boston fans actually and the boston some of the way it was portrayed was that uh price uh had value and he did not i did think it was interesting because you know the kluber deal happened mid-podcast the Betts deal happened mid-podcast emmanuel classe and brutistar gratial are like the same pitcher six foot one hit 102 this year uh two fastball slider uh, 21 years of age, making their MLB debuts, uh, very, very similar. Which is also brings me to this point that like I thought it was interesting. That, like routinely, everyone's like, "Oh, the Rangers did a fantastic job getting Kluber," and some people are like, "Oh, the Twins overpaid for Maeda." And I get that Maeda hasn't had a lot of innings, but that contract is ridiculously team friendly for the next five years. And like I think Maeda has more trade value than Kluber because Kluber's was a two-year deal at a much higher rate after he missed an entire season with injuries, getting up there in age, and has already had some declining velocity, whereas Maeda has always pitched with low velocity and been able to be effective. So I, I thought that was very weird that like, oh, the Rangers did so well by trading arguably more value by giving up to Shields just because, you know, he's a okay fourth outfielder. But uh, the Twins, I don't know about that. It, it's just the interesting perspective, and I get it because it's, I wonder, is it because of what Kluber used to be and the chance of sealing there? Is it because Gratial, some people think he could still be a starter, though not anyone I talked with? Or is it, you know, I sometimes wonder how much um, things that get written, said, and done get shaded by prospect rankings. Like, if I went through and just made a set of prospect rankings that were really bad but put a bunch of Indians guys super high and I worked for a major um, place, would I be able to influence and change values of players? not based on their production, but based on placement. And I think there is that to a small degree, um, that placement does matter. I mean, I'm not a big name. Do I still have a lot of agents who talk to me? And when I do everything be like, come on, why isn't my guy a bit higher? You know, he's like, I am nobody (laughs) on the grand scheme of things, but, um, Agents still want my rankings to reflect their guys higher up because it brings enough value to, to that agent to be able to use that. So there, that is, it, it's an interesting effect to think about. Let's take a quick break, come back and talk about the, uh, the Indians maybe here doing something. So it was reported today um, by Jansen Pujols, uh on Twitter that the Indians are going to sign Domingo Santana for about a million dollars, a little north of that. From what I've gathered, Jensen Pujols uh, is a... He's in media. He's a sports guy over in the Dominican Republic. And, you know, you can see, like, him talking with David Ortiz, with Bartolo Colon, with Ronnie Belliard. I think it's funny that, like, when you type his name and those are the top three returns, it's like, you know, obviously David Ortiz is a huge name, but then, like, the two former Indians. And um, Domingo Santana is... He was born in Santo Domingo. He is from the Dominican Republic. So this is a guy who would have he's he's a credible source i think there's sand to this his source might even be domingo santana himself we will have to wait and see but this seems about right that he is going to sign with the indians um the thing we have to say at this point is let's start with the defense uh domingo santana if you sign him has to, has to has to has to be your dh um like there's no if, ands, or buts. He is the DH for the Cleveland Indians. If we go over to the good old baseball Samantha page, his outs above average, first percentile. Now that's the opposite of good. That's that's the ninety-nine is the best, one is the worst. Outfield jump rate, second. Sprint speed, forty sixth. Um we'll get into some of the offensive stuff in a second here, but that gives you an idea of just where he is in the field. Domingo Santana is a full time DH. Um he is not good. He is the opposite of good. I mean, he is terrible. He is terrible in the outfield by every, um, this isn't a case where you can go and like, look at the advanced data and be like, well, we know that, you know, most defensive data isn't very good. And he's, he's not the w-. No, he's, he's objectively awful. Um, Mel Reyes, this puts him back in the outfield, which is what he did played right field for the Padres. His outs above average was 20th percentile. His outfield jump was 18th percentile, his sprint speed 44th. So a little bit slower, but uh, gets a good jump, covers more ground. Those are not great, but those are significantly better than uh, Domingo Santana. And that is part of the reason why Santana should be just, okay, this means he's your DH. So Reyes is going to play right field at this point. We assume Mercado in center field. That means we've got Jordan up in and left. And this kind of annoys me because the Indians are like, and, and uh, Tito's like, well, he's earned an opportunity to hit righties. Uh, he was, he's phenomenal against lefties. He's a guy who could play for any team in baseball based on what he did a year ago, um, hitting left-handed bats, but for his career, that is not what he does. So he has appeared in a little more than 200 games in his major league career, 225 played appearances against right-handers, 226 against left-handers. I'm going to read his slash line numbers and I'm going to do right first, then left. So, If I say batting average, it'd be as right-handed than as left-handed. So batting average, 207, 276. On-base percentage, 276, 385. Slugging, 320, 635. OPS, 596, 1020. So he crushes lefties, and he's a a pitcher uh, hitting against righties, like putting him out there. And why this bothers me is as we saw a year ago with the corpses of, uh, Carlos Gomez and Hanley Ramirez and the like, they're going to give him a good month and month and a half to just go out there and likely die. Um, <laughs> when he was traded for, they knew this is what he does best and he will get that time to go out there and die at the plate until Daniel Johnson's service time is not a concern issue or worry. And that's likely what this is going to come down to. It's a, it's a nice thing to say, but it's probably service time manipulation, maybe someone will come out and, uh, give them and they won't, or, or, you know, Laplow will be so terrible in spring. They realize this isn't going to work. Um, I don't know if they would pair him with who you're going to, but then the question becomes, who do you pair him with? Like, if you're not going to have at the start of the year, um, if you're not going to have, why am I having a moment, you know, just having that moment where, you know, your brain shuts down. If you're not going to have Daniel Johnson with him as his platoon guy at the start of the year, then, who is the guy who's going to go out there and get those at bats and basically be the primary guy for the Cleveland Indians um, with him? Who's going to be the other half of that pla- platoon of that platoon until he's ready? Um, your likely answer is Jake Bowers. Bowers was really not great a year ago. Uh, you don't want to give up on him. He's still pretty young at this point at 24 years of age. He was, you know, I, I loved it when they traded for him. I've been, a, was a big fan of him coming up through the minors. And he kind of makes the most sense as a platoon guy until Johnson is ready. I'm um, still kind of curious about Bradley Zimmer. Didn't play hardly anything last year. He was so good. He just couldn't stay healthy. I mean, you go back to that rookie season and, I mean, he had limitations. Don't get me wrong. But he was such a good defender and he could cover so much ground and the power was there. You could live with the, you know low batting average high strikeouts you know it, it was going to be a profile similar to santana's um but with exceptional defense so i mean you take that uh, you take that every day of the week because it's it's multiple plus above average to plus skills uh so we'll see what happens but right now it feels like luplo bowers is probably going to start the year in uh left fran and right uh catcher catcher center field mercado dh santana First baseman Santana, second baseman Hernandez, third baseman is uh, J Ram, shortstop Lindor, catcher Roberto Perez. Uh, now you might notice something there. If the Indians were to ever decide that they're going to play both Santanas, uh, well, the the Indians are very close. Let me put it this way: to being able to field, fill, field, field, filled, uh, doing all that in American lineup. Think about it. I mean basically every position on the infield is somebody who's latin american your outfield is latin american outside of left field uh so your dh is latin american uh so close they're they're almost at a complete latin american team i think that's pretty interesting um just to see in any way shape or form so let's get into santana and his offensive profile his uh you know he he what's while well, he's a right-handed bat and he does hit lefties very well he's actually not someone you consider platooning historically over his career he's hit he's been fine against righties he, he hits lefties very well fine against righties uh, his exit velocity last year is 49th percentile that's a bit down from what i expected and from what i read up down from most of his career his expected batting average 43rd percentile not great but his hard hit percentage at 69th percentile expected weighted on base 69th and expected slugging 74th still show a guy with above average to plus power playing every day in cleveland he's got a chance at 30 home runs uh he's gonna also strike out like 33 percent of the time so he has a chance to hit 30 home runs and then lead the league in strikeouts if he is playing every single day uh at one million dollars if he just comes in and stinks it up because he's been incredibly inconsistent for his career the indians can also move on very quickly it's a solid gamble at that price rate for the indians so what you're looking at at this point is likely i mean i don't want to do like a lineup project cuz like i could tell you what my lineup is but we know the indians don't uh the by the indians i mean good old uh tito does not like to like to have a lot of one thing in a row he doesn't like to be like ready 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 lefty 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 that's not how he works but all of a sudden, the Indians are very right-handy, right-handy, wow, all of a sudden the Indians have a, uh, I think, a pretty clear right-handed uh, shift in their lineup, which is kind of interesting to see just for them as a team. So if I go over to roster resources, pull them up, um, just to save us a little bit of time in this. So Lindor's a switch hitter, Santana and Ramirez are switch hitters, uh, Cesar Hernandez, switch hitter, uh, you look uh, Perez is a righty. Fran Mill's a righty. Mercado is a righty. And Domingo Santana is a righty. So we've got four righties and, and then Luplo righty. So it's five lefty, five lefties, five righties and four switch hitters. Nope, no pure lefties anymore. I, I thought that was kind of interesting to look at. Uh, so we'll see how they balance it. it it's, it's hard for me to guess, but here's my best guess, just based on what we saw a year ago, I think we still go, it's likely still going to be Lindor, Mercado, Ramirez, Santana. In that fifth spot, I think, is Fran Mil Reyes. I think in the sixth spot against um, lefties, it's going to be um, Luplo and then Santana. So... That's what, 6-7. Then you got Roberto Perez, again, against uh, the right-handers, 8, with uh, Cesar Hernandez, 9. Which, I mean, for as much as I've complained about the Indians, uh, that's a pretty fun lineup. Let's get, I mean, compared to what we saw last year at the start of the year, yes, I will take that. Thank you, please. That That's going to be, the, the Indians are set up to hit, to be a real bane against left-handed pitching. Uh, this year. So we'll we'll have to check it out. But right now, that's what they're setting up to do is to, to go out there and be a team that can really get to left-handed pitching. Now, when they're facing right-handers, which is, you know, the majority of the time, things will get a little bit different. I think you're still going to see kind of that first five guys in place, which are the ones that Tito knows he's familiar and comfortable with. And then who slots in at six? I think De- Santana sits there. So maybe it's he is also going to be kind of more or less in the same spot, I think. This is where it gets interesting because if when Daniel Johnson gets called up, I think Hernandez would be, I think Hernandez would be seventh, Perez eighth, and Johnson nine. Uh, just so you get some speed at the bottom of the lineup and rookies batting ninth. I wonder if essentially the lineup would stay kind of similar to what I was kind of discussing before if you would see something along the lines of just to break things up. And that's that's my concern, I will say. if This whole idea of, like, let's break the lineup up or not overload the switch hitters at the top because what you end up with is is a lot of righties in a row. It's like just Jake Bowers get pushed up the board even though he's not the best hitter on the team. Uh, but it feels like Hernandez is likely to be your ninth almost no matter what unless they call up Johnson just because of uh, the option of having some speed at the bottom of the lineup. He's really the only guy to provide it. Uh, One can make a case though that Oscar Mercado should really be down there. I think people forget just how much he scuffled um, in kind of the middle half of the season last year. I mean his August he was atrocious, got together and finished strong, but uh, one can make a case of I mean, so what's my ideal lineup? Just being lazy, I'm going to make one, looking at what we project for the Cleveland Indians and um, what they have going forward. So it's always the the debate of how how do you want to line things up? You want to get your hitters, the best hitters, the most at-bats. So personally, I'm okay with Lindor 1. I'd put Ramirez 2 and Santana 3 mill at four, and now I'm going to do versus lefties. Uh, so first four can pretty much just stay in place for me. Uh, against lefties, I would then go Luplo, Santana, Perez. So that is five, six, seven. I would put eight, uh, Hernandez, and nine, um, Mercado gets you a lot of speed at the bottom it gets you i know all the righties in a row which a lot of people would hate those guys all hit lefties so well i don't want to like balance my lineup so my good hitters get less at bats um now if it's against right handers and we have to kind of flip the script here that's when things get a little bit harder because the team is set up to hit lefties that's just where they are right now i mean the 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 advanced logic is you want to put a power hitter at five no matter what so let's put santana there uh, six would be Hernandez. Phew. Who do I trust more? I like at this point, cause you know, Mercado righty, Perez righty. Those guys are, are left seven and eight. Uh, Bowers is your lefty who I don't have much faith in. I would probably go Bowers or Mercado seven Bowers eight Perez nine. If you're okay with no speed. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe you could flip Perez. Uh, yeah, let's flip Perez and, um, and Mercado, so Mercado's just—he's hitting ninth for me. So that's very different than what we are likely to see during the year. And I mean, if he—we got to see which guy shows up. We had to see what hitter he is. He had, he was at points better than he's likely going to be. He and at points much worse. And I, I don't know if we really saw true him. We saw some, some extremes. Now he could become the next Jason Kipnis, where there isn't a much of a middle ground either. He's really good or he's really bad, and that's just the way it's going to play. Um, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at right now is as likely lineups, uh, a lot less inspiring against righties. And when I said Santana, of course I meant Domingo cause Carlos was just set in the three spot. It's a solid addition. Like I'm not going to sit here, especially at that price point. It's a solid addition. If the inconsistencies come up, you can move on. Um, if someone else, you know, let's say at the start of the year, Leplo all of a sudden, kills righties and i'm wrong and he turns into an all-star because if he could hit righties even average he's what he does against lefties would make him a borderline all-star uh then in santana is just scuffling along you know maybe a little bit around league average uh there's always a chance you and daniel johnson's lighting the world on fire you could move on at that point or you could keep him as a bench bet that's the nice thing about having that extra spot on the roster. It's also, weirdly, the nice thing about Delano Shields is he can play three spots and cover the ground and do them all pretty decently. So there's a way to make this work. Bottom line, the Indians added something. They are a better team. They needed to add something. Uh, And the difference between Puig and Santana is likely to not be as big as the difference in their salaries. Offensively, uh, you're probably going to get similar overall production. The big difference is just the defensive value. Santana brings a huge negative value, and, and Puig brings about an average value. So um, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this maneuver. I'd still like to see a few more interesting uh, invitees to camp. I think we could use with some more relief arms. Sal Romano is kind of an interesting guy who was released by the Reds recently. You know, Romano had his control issues, but he was 87th in percentile for fastball velocity. Not much for his spin on his fastball curve, so unlikely actually to be a guy the Indians would look at. But they need to bring in some arms like this. That's my take on Santana. That's a kind of follow-up to bets. Uh, I think the Indians are kind of what they're going to be at this point in time. Let's just be honest. Where they are is what they're going to be. They're moving forward with what they have. Uh, they have some depth. It's nice. Last year we saw a team with no depth at all, so it's nice that there are a few options this year. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to apologize if Cranky Two-Year-Old made it in the background of the audio. Um, Sometimes we don't nap. If you're any parents out there, you know what I mean. But uh, thank you all for listening. Um, It's a real honor and pleasure to get to do this and um, all the nice comments and everything. It's a thank you. Uh, And as always, Go Tribe!